there are going to be failures over and over and over and over again. It's a total cliche, but it's true. It's like you learn from your failures. Yeah. It's the only way. Yeah. And, and you learn what it feels like to fail, and that's, that's okay. You keep a positive outlook on your failures. The longer you do the thing that you love, and you kind of like go and stand out there on the limb, the more comfortable you get being out there on the limb. The more comfortable you get with being in a kind of harrowing situation, because you make it through enough of those harrowing situations, and you realize that even if the bottom does drop out, that you'll figure it out somehow. Welcome to Reaching Out. I'm your host, Zach Carter. Please join me as I speak with a diverse group of people to find out their thoughts on religion, politics, and culture. Welcome everyone to Reaching Out with Zach Carter. I'm your host, Zach Carter. This week, we have an individual who is both smart, good-looking, talented, and we also have my brother in the room as well. Yes, my, my, my older brother, Justin Carter. The reason I wanted to bring him in today is he has a very interesting story. He does some very, very cool things up in New York City that I thought that the audience might enjoy listening to. So before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do? I'm your brother. You're, bum- you're my brother, yes. Not as handsome or funny <laughs> as, as my younger brother, Zach. And uh, that's essentially it. <laughs> that's, that's all anyone needs to know. I uh, I grew up in Danville, Virginia, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, and moved to New York when I was eighteen, and have spent now over half of my life there because I'm thirty seven. There it is. There it is. Um, but yeah, I um, I'm a musician. I'm a DJ. Uh, I throw a party series in New York called Mr. Saturday Night. Um, we also have a party called Mr. Sunday that's kind of a spinoff, and uh, we run a record label called Mr. Saturday Night Records and um, just opened a venue, um, like a, a year-round venue called Nowadays. We had it as a temporary, like seasonal venue um, for a few summers, but now as of December, it's fully functioning, open most days of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also, you you, you do some traveling around the world DJing as well. I don't yes. know if you said that already. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say that. But yeah, as a DJ, I do tour yeah. as well. Yeah. So pretty much the coolest job ever. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool job. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not going to be like, well, you know, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, it, there yeah. are things that are hard about it. That of course. It's not hard about anything. But yes, going yeah. and like being asked to play records for people um, <laughs> in foreign lands is... Yeah. It's awesome. There, there's yeah. worse ways to spend your evening. Totally. Yeah. So is that what you wanted to do growing up or it, did it just kind of happen? What, what What's the story? Uh, you know, I had, um, I had no concept of like what a DJ was. Um, honestly, until I was in my early 20s, probably around like 23 was when it kind of dawned on me. When I moved to New York, mm-hmm. I, was, I started going to parties just like one of the things that you do or one of the things that I did certainly mm-hmm. when I got to New York, it's just like kind of going out and experiencing all the different parts of culture in New York. Part of a big part of the culture there is nightlife. And I went to lots of different kinds of parties and there was one party that I was really drawn to. It was called body and soul. Body and soul is really interesting because it was a Sunday afternoon evening party. So it started around like five or six o'clock 
and it would go until I think 11 o'clock at night. And, um, but I mean, I've come to understand like body and soul's importance in like the history of New York nightlife. But at the time I knew nothing about anything. Yeah. And to me, it was just a really fun place to go and dance and all different kinds of people were yeah. there. It was, I mean, I had that this memory that's just like seared into my brain and will be there forever of being on the dance floor, 18 year old kid from the South who's been in New York for probably like a month or two. And I am surrounded by, I was like a guy who's probably like in his fifties, clearly like a guy from Chelsea who's gay with his mom. Who's like probably in her seventies or even early eighties and they're dancing together. Mm. And then there's like a whole contingent of like black and Puerto Rican dancers that would come down every me, um, you know, I mean, people of like all stripes there and the music was amazing and it was just a really big, uh, like, I was like this like unbelievably freeing experience and this kind of like, to me, like the utopia that New York could be was this party. But anyway, I was going to this party yeah. and there I've now come to know one of the DJs that played at that party like fairly well. He's played at a couple of my parties and we've gone out like record shopping together and talk on the phone every now and then. Mm-hmm. But I had no concept of like a DJ in the DJ booth yeah. doing anything really. I was yeah. just like, oh, this is a fun thing that happens. Yeah. It wasn't until four or five years later that I actually understood like, oh, there's a DJ that's like putting records on and playing and like combining them in a certain way to make people dance. Mm-hmm. So did I think about this when I was young? Like this is what I thought I was going to be doing? No. no. I always loved music, mm-hmm. um, but I grew up as a musician like mm-hmm. playing guitar. Our dad mm-hmm. um, is a great musician. Yeah. He's been playing guitar for 50 years, I think now. Something like, like 80 that. years, I think. 80 years, <laughs> That's, that's for you, Dad. <laughs> that's, a, that's just for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, so I, I grew up as a music lover. And, and I, I think being a DJ is like a natural thing for me mm. because I always love music, always buying music, mm. listening to it. I love to share it with people. Yeah. And that's essentially what DJ is, yeah. is like sharing music with people, like, um, in a particular kind of environment but still sharing music that's, that's pretty cool and could you could you describe for us what your parties look like so you, you kind of talked about the inspiration of why you got into it what exactly do your parties look like i know i've been to a few but i know the audience would love to hear kind of what you do um well they're they're different depending on mm-hmm. whether it's mr saturday night and mr sunday I'll they do have different vibes yeah mr sunday because um, that's the one that is more universal. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that all these different kinds of people were showing up at that party that I was talking to mm. before. Part of it because of the party's history, um, but part of it just because you do something on a Sunday afternoon and it's much more accessible to a lot of different kinds of people. Yeah. Right. Um, so at Mr. Sunday, the day often begins with families and like small kids and like my kid who's two is often there at the beginning of the party and running around and like dancing on the dance floor to get things started off. But also with people who are like real dancers Mm. that have showed up to dance. And so it's a really interesting kind of vibe that you've got um, kids and like real adult dancers that are there together Mm. enjoying themselves. Um, 
there are definitely people who are like young, new to nightlife, maybe are like still out from the night before and have come. Um, they're still then, awake? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing, right? Like, wow. I couldn't imagine. That's I've never. I, I hate staying up all night, and so I can't imagine staying right. up all night because your party starts in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. Um, this is not like a giant contingent. Of <laughs> There's just a few. <laughs> that's you know. That's like part of nightlife in, mm. in New York. Is people who are like you know they'll go out at like four o'clock in the morning, mm. right? Um. And so you know, yeah. Some some folks who like still still going. Mm. Um, and then um, you know people who maybe used to go out late at night, but now like don't as much, but they still love music. They'll come. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like basically to in short, mm-hmm. wide array of people, ages, um, are the, the parties like pretty balanced between, um, men and women, Yeah, which is really nice. That's it doesn't cool. feel like dominated by a bunch of dudes. But, yeah. Yeah, it's great. What uh, uh, and how many people usually show up um, on average? Uh, I'd say about what, what, this past summer, and it changes from year to year. Yeah, I think this past summer we were at about nine hundred and fifty people yeah. through the course of the day. Yeah, coming to Mister Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mister Mister Saturday nights less people. Yeah, and I know that I, I think I've told you this before, but I was in New Orleans hanging out in a hostel and I met this guy and we were just kind of hanging out and going to restaurants. And I, we, he said he was living in New York at the moment. And I was like, Oh, you should check out one of my brother's parties. And he's like, what's it called? And I was like, Mr. Saturday night. He's like, Oh yeah, I've been to Mr. Saturday night. And so like this dude in new Orleans that was Danish that happened to be living in New York, knew you and knew your parties. So I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, what what do you, you know, you, you started with parties, but you kind of talked about at the beginning that it's kind of morphed into a lot of different ventures and different. So you, you have a, a record label is what you said, and you're traveling and you have a couple parties and now you have a venue. How did, how did that come across? Was it just a natural evolution or? Yeah. Um, so I, I should say that I do all of this with a partner. Yes. Mm-hmm. My partner is Eamon Harkin and he's from Northern Ireland and he moved to New York five years after me. I think he moved in like 2003 or 2004, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, so we both were DJing around New York for a long time, figuring out things. And at a certain point we realized, you know, we, we'd done a couple of things together and we realized we were both, we both saw things in the same way that we wanted to not just sit there's this, there's this thing that happens, and I think this happens in like kind of all scenes, where you know you you see people who are kind of in a circuit playing each other's parties in the in the world in the world of New York nightlife. This is the way it happens, but I'm sure this happens in like with bands and comedians and yeah. all kinds of things, right? There's this like circuit where like people are playing each other's parties, and there's a little crew that kind of shows up and they go to all different things. Yeah. But people start to age out of those crews and you see there not really being a future there. And Eamon and I were really interested in how to build something that was not just for a click, that was for the long term, something where we would hopefully have a career um, and where we would, we would build up 
a community of people around something that we cared about that would that would transcend um, a click, right? Um, and so that was the that was the wavelength that we were on, and we started to work together towards that. And so the first iteration of that was Mr. Saturday Night. Yeah. And then came Mr. Sunday. And after we had done that for a couple of years and it became solid, felt like there's a good foundation and we didn't have to spend like all of our energy figuring out how we're going to like set up the party and break it down and promote it. We kind of like knew what we were doing there. Mm-hmm. Then a natural progression was, well, let's start a label because by this time we started to meet people who were making music that were coming to the party. Mm-hmm. And so they were sending us music and we thought, oh, this is some really good stuff here. Mm-hmm. Let's put out some records yeah. of people who were surrounding the party. So that's how the label started. And the whole time we're doing the party still and the party becomes this community that we hoped it would be. It's becoming our careers and there becomes this new problem of, um, of consistency. Yeah. Right. So we've got this party, Mr. Sunday specifically where lots of people are coming every single week during the summer, but it's New York, New York real estate is insane. Yeah. Trying to find like an outdoor space where we could consistently be able to do our party for a very long time was really, really difficult. The only commitment we could ever get from any landlord was one summer. Mm. That would never give us two summers. Mm. Um, and so after having moved once, we were just like, okay, we can't, we can't put this whole thing at risk. We've got to go and find our own space. Yeah. It took a really, really long time. Um, we started to search, I think, in 2013. Really? Mm-hmm. For the space, I think. It was 2013 or 2014. Oh. And um, it took a while to actually find the place. Once we found the place, you got to do a whole back and forth with you know, signing a lease, which is not just like, oh, here's the lease. You signed yeah, it. Just it's done. It. Yeah. So it was like, I think of an almost year long process to get the lease signed going back and forth. And um, then when the lease is signed, you know, then we had to build up the outdoor space. Mm-hmm. Then we opened that. It took a few years for us to get to the point where we could begin construction on the indoor space. Mm-hmm. And the indoor space just opened up a couple of yeah. months ago. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that's how the, that's how the venue came about mm-hmm. is us needing a home for these other things that we're doing. Now, um, that's not to say that the only thing that we do with this venue, in fact, it's funny, like, as I say the word venue out loud, I realize how limiting that sounds. It makes it seem like we've got this place where, like, just parties happen or just concerts happen. But in fact, during the summer, seven days a week, nowadays is open. It's kind of like a beer garden, like, you know, there's a bunch of picnic tables and trees. It kind of feels like a park. Yeah, we got New a bar. York, which is rare. Uh, yeah, it's super, super rare. There's nothing nothing else really like it. So it's this place where you can go and, like, sit outside and eat some food and drink a beer and or not a beer. You yeah. Drink, like, whatever you want. Yeah, it almost feels like you're not in the city. Right, exactly, yeah. It's, like, on this, like, edge of, uh, it's, like, woods. Yeah. Behind the woods, a train track. Behind that's a cemetery. So you really feel like you're, like, kind of out. Yeah. So that place is a place where 
just people who live in that community and people from New York who are just trying to find a really interesting experience, mm-hmm. um, unique experience, they'll come there. And we also do these really cool classes mm-hmm. on Tuesday nights during the summer. We do a film series uh, with the Documentary Center um, on Wednesday nights. Um, we have people come in and play records, like people who play vinyl. Mm-hmm. We love vinyl. Yeah, we're collectors ourselves, so yeah. we like bring in friends who are collectors to set kind of set the vibe on a Friday and Saturday night. And um, so it's like a a well-rounded space. You know, you yeah. can come just eat dinner if you want. You can come and like listen to people playing really cool records. It's not really a party, but just like interesting listening come have a class come watch a film mm. and then on Sundays we do our party outside and yeah. then the indoors which is just opened up is similar we got a kitchen we got a full bar we're open you know at noon on a Saturday and noon on a Sunday people to come down and like hang out and we got a couple of nice like hi-fi stereo systems in the bars so again like music is a really important part of it but it's not like People are getting banged out yeah, yeah, yeah. At, yeah, yeah. at two o'clock on a yeah, Sunday yeah, afternoon. It's just yeah, like yeah. nice listening music, like at somebody's house. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's funny. You know, you 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 start something, and it leads you to the next thing, and then that next thing becomes more than you thought it would. Yeah, like for the label, going back to that, it's kind of another example of how we started the label because we were getting sent music. Mm by people who were in our scene. Mm. In the beginning, the label was a lot about people who we were meeting through the party directly. Yeah. And then eventually, we're getting sent music from people all around the world, mm. and we started to release music by people we never met before. Yeah. Right? Mm. Um, and then eventually, I released my own album on the label, which has like nothing to do with dance music and DJing yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very different. And from so, that music, yeah. Right, so you start one thing, and then... It just kind of evolves and evolves. Yeah, yeah, you you kind of, we we try to allow it to evolve into something that feels natural for us instead of just being like, okay, well, this thing is not suddenly like, yeah, it's not suddenly you're doing something random that you're like, I was about to say clothing, but you guys do. I'm sure clothing is tied to the, you know, venue and the party, but like, yeah, it's um, not like a, it's like a fashion brand. You know, exactly. You put our logo on a shirt. Yeah. You know? yeah. You're not selling Tupperware. Like right. it's yeah, like yeah, Mr. Saturday yeah. Night oh, Tupperware. That's, that's an idea. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome <laughs> for that. So one of the things I wanted to bring you in today to talk about is that a lot of people have ideas, they have passions, they have desires that they want to pursue, but then they, you know, get stuck into a job, a nine to five that they're like, I don't feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, how you can begin pursuing the things that you, you find interesting, pursuing your, your dreams and hopes. And, and you, you've been able to find a way that at least the path didn't seem obvious initially but then you just kind of kind of fell into it almost and kind of, and then it was like man i need to take this and run with it um so you know what what do you wish someone would have told you before you started a business that would have been helpful for those that that might someday want to start a business or who have already started one i don't i don't know what to tell somebody who wants to start a business specifically sure but i think what i can talk about that may be of some value to someone is the idea of following your passion and letting that build into something. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. I mean, one thing that I was fortunate with, um, we're both fortunate with, 
is that we have parents that are supportive of us. I think it's just been really nice to be able to say to our dad and to my mom as well um, that I'm gonna hey I'm gonna be a DJ. Yeah. And instead of having a parent be like, I don't idea or not. Yeah. To have the parent be like, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. You should do that. You love that. Yeah. You should do that. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's really great. That's I mean, definitely how how you know I know for sure dad is like he's like, is that what you like doing? All right, well I'm gonna do it. Right. You know? Exactly. I could I could have said anything and be like just about anything, you know, as long as it's not immoral, you know, <laughs> and he would have been like, you know, yeah, go do it. Go do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um but you know I mean I guess that that I guess that boils down to us being have given given support that gives us confidence. Yeah. Right. Like we have a passion and we have somebody who's in our corner saying, Hey, yeah, you do that thing that you're passionate about. That's, that's going to be good for you. And, um, I, you know, for someone that doesn't have somebody in their corner cheerleading like that, you know, you do want to surround yourself with people who will give you that because not everybody's going to have a parent like ours that, um, that will do that, or parents in my case, mm. um, that would that would encourage that. And um, so surround yourself with people who encourage you, have confidence that what you are passionate about is, is worth doing and worth pursuing. You know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, like, if you follow your dreams, they will come true. Yeah, I'm like that might not be true. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm 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 aware of of the 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 odds are stacked in my favor if they're stacked Mm. in anybody's favor Mm. to do well. I am a white man. I was sent to a good university. Mm. I've always known that if like the bottom dropped out for me, Mm. that the bottom drop dropping out for me equals like I can go back home. Yeah. And live in a place that's like secure and supportive. Mm. Like those things are those things you don't even those things that allow you to not even think about. Yeah. Like, you know, um, peril. Yeah. yeah. Are, are really valuable when you're out there, like trying to trying to do your thing, mm-hmm. right? Because the bottom dropping out for you just isn't that traumatic. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, you may not. It may be scary to you, like. Of course, like I was worried about, like I was in debt. I didn't make any money for probably like seven years or eight years or something really? like wow. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say I didn't make any money. Like I would put it together. Yeah. Right. But I was in debt for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm still in debt. Mm-hmm. But uh, but now, like, I have a handle on that. And, yeah. Like, it's it's, it's uh, what they call um, good debt. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> school school debt. Right. You know? School debt. Yeah. Or like I have a mortgage. Mortgage. Yeah. Debt, yeah. Kind of thing. So that debt's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I don't want to take for granted that like you know anyone can anyone can do it because I think um, I mean there are certainly people that are that have come from backgrounds that are much much more difficult than mine that yeah. have made incredible things happen. Absolutely, their stories are the ones that are really inspiring. Yeah, you know. But um, but what I'll say is that you know I always just out of sheer stubbornness sometimes, I just wouldn't do anything that I didn't want to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's not to say I wouldn't like 
take a, take a job for a month or two here and there mm-hmm. that, um, that I just needed to like make some money from. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't put myself into a career that was, was counter to the things that I wanted to do. It was like, like it wouldn't work for me. Like yeah. anytime that I was doing something that didn't feel right, it was like my body rejected it. Like I, like I just couldn't allow myself to do it. Right. Yeah. So I would just like move on and, and do the next thing. Um, but yeah, you know, like I, I just, I just always pursued things that interested me and they kind of like led from one piece to another. What's what I, what I will say is that as you get further along, um, then you're growing what, um, what you love, you're growing the, you're growing the, the business that is, is your passion is that, um, you still always wonder when the bottom is drop, going to drop out. Yeah. Right. Like it seems crazy to me now that like I have this place where people can come and eat and drink and hang out and I can throw parties there, have this label, mm-hmm. have my own music career. I'm DJing. I'm just always waiting for the other shoe to drop and for, for the whole jig to be up. Yeah. You know, like just what, what what's going to happen like next month where like all of a sudden, like, you know, <laughs> like no one's going to care about my party anymore. And yeah. like something's going to happen to the venue and we'll like just run out of money. And like, you yeah. know, it's always just like this thing where it's hanging out of your head where you're like, Oh man, it's, it's all going to fall apart. <laughs> oh no. Soon. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, but I will say is um, the longer you do the thing that you love and you kind of like go and stand out there on the limb, mm-hmm. the more comfortable you get being out there on the limb, mm-hmm. the more comfortable you get with being in kind of harrowing situation mm-hmm. because you make it through enough of those harrowing situations mm-hmm. and you realize that even if the bottom does drop out, that you'll figure it out somehow. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, right now um, we're at this point in our business where, you know, we got delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed Mm -hmm. from opening. Mm -hmm. We had a a pretty good padding because we had good summer this past summer. We had good padding to get through the new part of our business. You open up a business and you figure out what works and what doesn't work. And meet, like in the meantime, you lose money basically yeah. while that's happening. You know, like trying everything. Yeah, and yeah. It costs money to try stuff. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So we're in the spot now because we got delayed and delayed that the entire pad that we had or almost the entire pad that we had was, is gone. Mm. And we're in this space where our business is losing money every single month. And now we're in we're looking at the balance sheet. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to make it to the summer. Yeah. Right? I mean, but you know, then we, we put our heads together and we we're in the process right now of going out and trying to solve that problem. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to solve that problem. Mm. We got a bunch of phone calls this week mm. trying to figure out how to solve that problem, mm. but I'm not losing sleep over it. Yeah. Because not because it's not stressful and not because I just feel like, oh, no, whatever, it'll, it'll <laughs> yeah, happen. It's yeah. because I have done things, I've been in situations 
like this enough times mm -hmm. that I've realized that as long as I take it seriously and put my head together and my partner's doing the same thing, mm -hmm. that it will work out. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out somehow. And if it doesn't work out, I'll like gather myself and I'll do another thing and it will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely, I definitely know what you mean in the sense of when you're, when you're saying you're, you're trying, you're trying this thing. This is what I'm doing with this podcast is I'm, I'm not on the ledge yet. I'm like walking to the ledge, trying to get more and more comfortable being out on the ledge and putting myself out there. Uh, and then also even what you're talking about, with you know you spend money to try and figure things out and sometimes those things don't work out there's been a few things that have happened to me in this it's like wow that just cost me a grand <laughs> like and you're like all right i guess i'm gonna try something else and you, you kind of lick your wounds real quick and you you move forward and try yeah. to learn from it and so yeah i think that that'll talk to a, to a lot of people pursuing their passes because i think people need to hear that that like oh, yeah there's gonna be obstacles there there are gonna be failures over and over and over and over again and it's Total cliche, but it's true. It's like you learn from your failures. Yeah, it's the only way. Yeah, and and you learn what it feels like to fail, and that that's that's okay. You keep a positive outlook on your failures, and you say, "All right, well, you know, I learned that I shouldn't do X, Y, Z, or that when I do X, Y, Z, I need to shore it up in this way." And, yeah, you know, like you you learn from it. Yeah, you said you've been doing the party for fifteen years, right? No, I've been DJing for 15 years. Mm -hmm. Mr. Saturday Night started in uh, January of 2009. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's January. It's February 2018 now. So, nine years, right? Nine years. Is that math? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Is that math? <laughs> so... How, how do you – one of the things I've been impressed with is that, you know, you're doing all these things. Like I know you and your 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 partner are about to head over to Australia to be there for a couple of weeks to, to DJ a bunch of parties over in Australia. Yeah, we're doing our we're, – we're actually doing a Mr. Sunday. So we'll go over and we'll DJ just as a DJ duo and we'll play other people's parties. Yeah. It's very rare for us to go over and do our own party. Okay. in a place. Mm -hmm. So we've only ever done Mr. Sunday uh, outside of New York and London. Mm -hmm. And that was in a place where we had this guy who had worked at the party for a long time and um, in New York. Yeah. And he had moved to London mm -hmm. and he kind of like knew the party. Mm -hmm. So we were like, all right, this guy gets it. We can do Mr. Sunday there. Mm -hmm. So three years ago, we went to Australia and we played for these guys called Astral People. They, okay. they arranged the tour for us mm -hmm. and they did an outdoor party and there were some things that were not exactly the way we would do it, but we talked to them and they were like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And so we trust them enough to do the production in a way that we would do one of our own parties. So mm -hmm. we're going to Australia, we're going to play at a festival and we're doing a few club gigs just as DJs. But then in Sydney, we're doing our own Mr. Sunday in this big outdoor that's cool. space in the in the downtown area. Yeah, so you're so you're doing all this stuff. That's 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 awesome. How, how do you how do you juggle? You know, you, you're you're married and you have uh, a two year old. You know, you're running parties, running a record label, making your own music, running a venue. H how do you juggle all that stuff? Because I know there are a lot of people that are like, you know, I'm already working a forty hour job. I've had this idea that I've been wanting to work on, but I don't know how I do that in my family. So how, how have you been able to, to manage? Well, I don't do all of it at once. Mm -hmm. 
Um, sometimes I do something poorly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try not to, right? I yeah, try yeah. not to, like, yeah, yeah. do that. But I will admit to failing sometimes. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just too much on the plate. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I think the only way that would really work, mm-hmm. the only reason why it works now is because there's a good team. Um, you know, the venue is um, has got some amazing people who own it as much as we do. And without them, it would be overwhelming because, because running a, running a place like, like nowadays, Mm -hmm. it's outdoors, it's indoors, there's food, there's drinks, there's dancing. Um, we do this listening session called planetarium. There's the classes. There's all these different kinds of things. Yeah. It takes somebody to be there almost all the time. Mm -hmm to just hold it together. You know, the ceiling's leaking, the cleaner didn't show up. Um, somebody's got to take reservations. Like if it was just Eamon and me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Right? Like even if we weren't doing any of the other things. And so, um, so yeah, building a team around what we've done is, is essential. I mean, going back to the parties, like the first big step that we took from, doing parties to like starting another thing was the, was the label. Mm-hmm. When we decided to do that, we had a team in place that would set the sound system up, that would run the bar. So we started to have to spend less time doing the party organization. And the, the first time we ever threw a party in a, in a loft space, which is like kind of like the way we did the parties for a really long time. Eamon and I rented a van, went to the liquor store, bought all of the booze ourselves, brought it to the venue up the stairs ourselves. We hired the bartenders. They came at like, you know, an hour before and they set up the bar. Um, We then went back to our storage space, picked up our sound system, brought it to the venue, brought it upstairs, set the sound system up. Then I think I went and picked up our guest DJ from the airport and brought that person back and brought them to the venue. Yeah. Um, when the door person arrived, I had to have like a bank. So I had to go into the bank the day before and like gotten the change in the right denominations. Yeah. We set up all the ticking. Like we did everything that happened. And then somehow we played. Yeah. Somehow we DJ, which like that was just insane. Trying to go from party organizer mode into like creative performance mode. Yeah. That was really difficult. Yeah, did not work most of the time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah, but anyway, I, mean, I, I I remember back back in the day when you were doing all that stuff and showing up to some of those parties. I mean, it felt like you guys were in control, and it felt like you guys knew what you were doing. Well, like, at the point where you came, I'm pretty sure we like had a team already, yeah. right? Like we we were probably still showing up early to just keep our eyes on everything that was going on. Because mm-hmm. um, when we were doing stuff in a lot of different places, yeah. We felt like certainly the first and second time we would do a party in that place, mm-hmm. but we really needed to be there to make sure like the speakers were in the right place. Yeah. So we think a lot about these little these little things and, and the more we're doing parties, like what makes it feel right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, after you have a good team surrounding you, you can be like, okay, I know that the speaker's gonna be in the right place, yeah. the bar's gonna be run correctly, security's gonna do the right thing, like all that stuff is is rolling. Yeah. I can focus my mind on something else. Mm-hmm. So that's it. It's like, you know, once things get put to a point where you feel like you can just trust it to roll mm-hmm. without you having to like oversee every little detail that's happening, 
you can go on and you can move to do other things. Yeah. It's, it's been a big lesson for me, like learning to let go yeah. of certain things. And because, delegate. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that, I think this is probably the way a lot of creative people feel. I feel like the thing that makes my thing good is my attention to detail. And the idea of stepping away from that and letting somebody else do that, knowing for sure that whoever else is doing it is going to do it in a different way yeah. than you do. You know, you hope you've imparted enough of your vision that they will they will share the same goal with you and that um, that the end result will still be a really positive one and maybe better than if you're handling it all yourself. Yeah. But um, but it's a really really difficult thing to learn to let go. It's a lesson that I haven't to really learn all the time. You know. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you one more question uh, about about this, and then we're going to move on to the the bonus interview section, which is the questions that are supposed to be a little fun and a bit more playful. So uh, yeah. So what what would be the first t- steps you you would encourage someone to take as they begin pursuing the idea that they have for a business, for music, for whatever it is that they're just, this is very vague, I think, but uh, I can't think of a more simple way to put it. Do the thing that excites you. Do something that is fun for you to do. Um, In our case, it was doing something that was really fun for us that, um, I'm, I'm saying our case and talking about Mr. Saturday Night, but I could actually take that back and just be really personal about it. I think what I've always tried to do is look at what was going on around me and say, I've got this idea and I really want to see this thing out there that I don't see happening otherwise. And I mean, I think it's a, do, do something that is fun for you that you don't feel like it's being done elsewhere. And that will lead to being so definitive that will lead to success. It will lead to. <laughs> You'll be motivational speaker one day. <coughs> Mr. Saturday Motivation. Right. <laughs> this is another offshoot that we'll, uh, we'll include in your business <laughs> beside the Tupperware. <laughs> oh, you know. At the very least, you'll be happy with the thing that you've done because you'll be pursuing something that you love. Yeah. Um, and that's the most important thing of all. You know, whether your thing, like, becomes huge and, you know, you're able to quit your day job or, or not, you'll still be devoting your time to something that you care about, right? Like... I don't know that there are plenty of people out there who start a business just to make money. It's never really made sense to me because money is only a tool to get things that you want. Yeah. Right. So money is the gold and what's really the goal. That's um, good. You know, I think do something that, that brings you joy in the act of doing it and you've already won. Yeah. Because you're just doing something that's fun. That's real good. That's real good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to end the major interview on that note. That's good. Thanks for that. That's, that's a good place to end.
bonus interview. Question number one. Here it comes. What kids movie scared you at the time that looking back isn't scary anymore to you? Uh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters scared yeah. you, yeah? Uh, yeah, well, there was this one scene in Ghostbusters where my mom had a friend who had a kid, and whenever I would go over to the house, me and the kid would go down to the basement, and they had Ghostbusters yeah. video, and we would put it in every time. <laughs> and we would put it in and then the very first scene yeah was in the library yeah when the ghost turned shh we would turn it off and over and over and over and over and uh and yeah looking back on it that's not scary at all yeah yeah I mean that's amazing I, I remember there's two movies in particular I remember that just freaked me out I was over at a friend's house and we were allowed to stay up late and just had the TV running. I remember waking up and Planet of the Apes was on. Oh, yeah. Well, that during, is During, like, really this... Freaky. Yeah, during the scene where, like... I, there was just a scene where these humans are behind these bars and you have these apes that have imprisoned these humans. And it scared the mess out of me when I was, like, you know, nine or ten. And then I think... Uh, did you ever see the Ernest movies? Yeah. There's Ernest Halloween and, like, the bad guy in Ernest Halloween freaked me out. <laughs> What's funny that you said Ghostbusters is, like, Ghostbusters is a comedy. Right. Yeah. And, like, Ernest versus yeah, Halloween or whatever is, is you know. It was, like, a troll, right? Yeah, it was a troll. Yeah. And it scared me. I, I was a big Ernest fan. Were you? Yeah. That's huge. perfect. So I think they, like, abducted the kids or something. And they, like, put them in a tree or something. And, and, yeah. and Ernest had the... Uh, the way to like stop the stop the troll was with um, it was like an old like you know ancient writing okay and and there was a bl- it was like M I blank K it was like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah amazing real <laughs> real comedy Jim Barney one of the greats one of the greats one of the greats alright question question number two what kind of cult would you like to start if you could start one um, a cult where people don't use cell phones where people do just well. don't use the internet at all yeah that's great there's like a really nice library mm. I think people will be talking to each other more <laughs> That's yeah. the cult that I want to start. That's great. That's a great cult. I have the flip phone, so I've already I've already started. I've already started I'm moving that direction. This is yeah. See, people make fun of me initially, and then when they think about it for a minute, they're like, "Huh, maybe he's onto something." I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the trend. I'm gonna start the trend. You know that there's this new phone. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a it's like a smartphone detox phone. Okay. It's basically just like a Nokia, like a, a crappy Nokia phone. Okay. But it costs three hundred dollars. <laughs> it comes with so a can, book. You can you can get the pr- the price of a smartphone with the usage of a of a flip phone. And the phone only works on like the two G network, which means you can only use it if you have T Mobile or something like that. It's just it's totally insane. It's very it's like got a nice design. Of course, it's like yeah. Danish. Yeah, and, like they hired this really nice sound designer so that like this like the sound of birds chirping. <laughs> comes out of your phone when it rings but it's still like t9 texting yeah yeah, yeah. i still use t9 oh, to this okay. day wow. everyone sends me emojis and it just comes in like these two little boxes or it comes as question marks <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'll just take it as a smiley and move on 
So, all right, question number three. What would be the worst buy one, get one free sale of all time? <laughs> um, I'll give you mine if you, if you want a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caskets. <laughs> That's, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. Yeah, yes. no, I stole it. I mean, no, not, not, you're not caskets, but just something where you're like, I don't want that thing. <laughs> I don't want that. I was thinking poison. You might use poison for something else. A long you're watching a lot of Game of Thrones. You're like, buy one, get one free yeah. poison sale. <laughs> Cersei buys a few of them. <laughs> yeah. Man, that lady. Wow. Pass. Pass. Fair I'll enough. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll take poison if, if you can't come up with one. That's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, what's the weirdest thing a guest has done at your house or you have done in someone else's house? It's a tough question. It is because I don't feel like I've had many guests. New York is very, your apartment is very small. In New it York. is. It is. You don't have that many guests. Have you, have you done anything weird? At, you could even tell us when I, when I got this question, I, I was thinking you would go with the, the story of you and your wife before you were married on your, it wasn't honeymoon. It was right before you got, or was it your honeymoon? No. Yeah. Or like with the fire logs. Uh, <laughs> that was at a hotel, though. It's a hotel. hotel. We'll, ca- we'll count it. We'll count it. Okay. You want to tell that All story. Right. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the night that we got engaged, it was this really beautiful old inn from, I think, like, pre-1776. Things been there for a long time. It's in yeah. Massachusetts. And uh, so... We got engaged. Beautiful restaurants lit only by candles, and there is a there's a room upstairs. So I guess a nice room with a fireplace. And my wife, like many other wives, um, gets cold a lot. Yeah. And so up in the up in the room next to the fireplace is a stack of logs, and it says uh, you know one log at a time. Mm. And I am thinking. This is where people don't know how to make a fire. I don't know how to make a fire. I'm going to use all the logs. So I put all the logs in the fireplace. And it's warm and it's, it's cooking. It's feeling good. My wife's in the bathtub. I'm, I'm sitting, or my, I've seen my wife at this point. And she's my fiance. She's my fiance. Love, love like an hour. Um, and uh, she's in the bathtub and um, like reading a book or something like that. And look over and the flames are getting kind of high and they start to get really, really high and they start to whip up in front of the fireplace and they start to burn the side of the wall. So, Gerilyn in the bathtub, I'm like, Gerilyn, 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 you gotta gotta unlock the door, you gotta unlock the door. She's like, runs, unlocks the door. I go in the bathtub, I get like the trash can, (laughs) dump out whatever's in the trash can, fill it up with water from the bathtub and throw it onto the, throw it onto the fire to put the fire out. And then there's a black stain up the side of the wall. And so for the next, like, three hours, we are, we're trying to, like, wash off the wall. I go out in the hallway, um, break into the maid's closet, steal a bunch of cleaning materials. So I think we end up, like, sleeping for, like, two hours. Oh, it's, it's cold. The way, We have to open up the window to air out the to air out the room. So now, like, my whole idea of keeping my fiance safe and warm is, like, freezing in the, in the room. And, uh, and she's wet from the shower. Well, it's, it's, it's terrible. 
um, then then the next morning we wake up we have to wake up extra early <laughs> to try to clean some more so we sleep for like two hours or something like that or three hours we uh we we clean everything up and actually it's like looking pretty good mm-hmm. and uh and then we have to try to sneak out of the hotel without them realizing what we've done. So I take a, like a giant trash bag and take all of the burned logs that are wet and yeah. put them into the trash bag and like with like put it into our suitcase <laughs> and we leave. We're like, bye. <laughs> See the people who own this hotel, by the way, are friends with our dear friends who we normally stay with. Oh, wow. When we go up oh, to wow. Massachusetts, it's a mountain set of mountains called Berkshire so we stay, stay with them so yeah anyway, anyway did, did they ever contact you guys no no because we actually you know we cleaned it up it was, okay. Looked pretty it was good. fine it was okay. legit you know okay. it, everything okay. was good but just I just ruined um, the evening <laughs> I just ruined the evening <laughs> I mean we, we were laughing then yeah know, it was it was still funny then yeah totally uh, yeah I wouldn't say that's the weirdest thing no we'll just say but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. There's a story for you. <laughs> There's a story. Perfect. So, what mythical creature would most improve the world if it existed? Cell phone eating monster. <laughs> really hate <laughs> cell phones. <laughs> just think they really like take us away from each other and take yeah. us away from ourselves. We don't have yeah. quiet moments anymore where mm. we're just like sitting and thinking unless we like, force ourselves to have them. Yeah, you definitely have to. Um, you know. People feel like they have to document everything all the time. Mm, like your food. I'm going. I, I never understood that. There, there's two things I don't understand: taking pictures of your food when you go out to eat, and videotaping yourself when you work out. I think. I think oh wow, that's a thing. You oh, bro. Like people, people will be like, "Hey, videotape me while I do this squat," and then like oh, they yeah. videotape them and then post it on Facebook, doing a squat with an um, amount of weight that's really not that impressive, right. <laughs> and everyone's just like. Alright, so you, you, you can squat. wanted to thank Justin Carter for joining us today. If you wanted to follow him, you can go to his party's website at mrsaturdaynight.com. That's Mr. spelled out, M-I-S-T-E-R, so mrsaturdaynight.com. From there, you can find his party's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're in New York, I highly recommend you go check out their parties. They are a lot of fun. Justin also released his own music last year. You can find his album on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes if you search for Justin Carter, The Leaves Fall. If you're trying to support Reaching Out, head over to our Facebook page and click the like button and share the page with your friends. Also, go over to YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud to subscribe. You can rate us and leave comments so everyone can hear about the show and begin listening themselves. Thanks again for listening to Reaching Out with Zach Carter. I'm Zach Carter, and we'll see you next week.